They may not know everything about sports, but the view from their couch is pretty good. So kick back and enjoy a brew, because you know they already are. Here is Eric Dorsch. What Justin really meant to say was, go blue. Russ Ivanek. Taking out of my logical mind for a minute. He's just fun to watch. And Justin Marcus. Just, just, just park the khaki elephant in the room. I don't... I, this is Armchair Sports Talk. All right, welcome back to Armchair Sports Talk. Hopefully you're uh, listening for a repeat time. If you're a new one, welcome in anyway. Uh, as usual, I'm your host, Eric Dorsch. I would like to say I do a good job. These guys will probably disagree with it, but uh, f- from my end, it always sounds good. What do you think, Russ Ivanek? No, you're doing a good job, man. We're uh, we're getting along. It's, it's been over a year, and we keep coming back, so uh have to be doing something right. Yeah, haven't gotten fired yet, so I'll take it. Uh, someone who we're, we were discussing firing because his phone never seems to work is Justin Marcus. I am here, and I think you're doing a wonderful job. And if I could take you out to a nice dinner right now, I would. <laughs> I'm not Connor McDavid. Wow. You can't have me. <laughs> so, <laughs> way too many inside jokes. I swear, one day we're going to release the un, un, you know, unused footage or audio because there's just so many great things that uh, never make it onto this show and. If they did, our wives would all question us. That's or our wives and girlfriends. Sorry, Russ. Would all yeah, question yeah, thank us. Thank you. Yeah, yeah haven't no done problem. that one yet. Haven't done that one yet. That's fine. There, there's plenty of time. Um, well, let's dive right into it because uh, a lot of sports stuff to talk about. Uh, I think we're gonna have to lead it off with the NFL as uh, our Lions. I'm not gonna lie, guys. I was actually excited for about ten minutes of this game because the Lions looked like they may actually be able to beat the eleven and one now eleven and one Los Angeles Rams, a team that. If you're looking at it right now, has to be the Super Bowl favorite. They are just, they're playing football unlike anyone else in the league, obviously, by record. Uh, Russ, at any point, were you thinking, eh, we might be able to do this? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It is not my first rodeo. I mean, it's just, sure, there, I saw the opportunity, I, I saw the chance, right? After three quarters, I think they were up 16 13. Mm-hmm. So there was a solid chance there, you'd think, but I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, it was it's still Todd Gurley, and and even though the last three weeks opposing opposing running backs have gone fifty three for one forty eight, uh, Gurley managed to go twenty three for one thirty two. Yeah. So it was gonna come back. I, I'm not gonna say same old Lions because it wasn't same old Lions. It was same old Rams. That's what I was waiting for to finally show up, and they did in the fourth quarter and ran away with it. So yeah. it was the, the Lions, to their credit, made it a lot closer than we thought they were going to and, and hung in there, but it was yet another not complete four quarters worth of football, and they paid for it. Yeah, that's fair to say. And, I mean, going like staying with Todd Gurley, we all said last week, this is a guy who in the year of what appears to be the quarterback for MVP, Gurley's making a case to say, no, 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 my name needs to be in there as well. I, I am, I'm doing just as much for this Rams team as uh, Jared Goff is. The only difference is Jared Goff is the pretty boy quarterback that everybody sees first and foremost. Uh, like you said, 23, 30, or 23 for 132, averaging almost six yards a carry, two touchdowns. And we had, him, we had him contained for a little bit, and then just out of nowhere he started doing what he does best. And it, it was really a little uh, exciting for a minute because, as we said earlier uh, in the week, the Lions were actually towards the top of the league the last couple of weeks in uh, in containing running backs. So I thought if we can do it against this guy, the sky's the limit. But obviously he broke. Uh, 
on the other side, uh, still no carry-on, so we're hurting from that. LeGarrette Blunt, 16 for uh, 61. Theo Riddick, 8 for 32. Uh, Jay, if you're the Lions, you just put carry-on on a shelf and say, get healthy, we'll see you next year? Yes. He, he, he Wrap him in bubble wrap and put him in Martha Ford's clubhouse and just <laughs> let him relax and chill. Like, it, 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 we're done. Like, it's no, you, you protect your assets and he is the highest rated asset on my list of players for the lions right now that you do not let him bring his cleats. He does not show up. He sits at home. Okay. That's fair. Um, before the show, uh, I know I was talking to Russ about this, Jay, I don't know if we had gotten you on the line quite yet, but I want to get your thought on it first. Uh, I said, I said this, that the lions appear to be making smart moves it's just a matter that they're not making smart moves at a fast enough rate for the fans to appreciate. I mean, you draft Jared Davis, a guy who's a- appearing to be a staple on the defense. You, In the last couple of years, you've drafted Kenny Galladay, who I honestly believe, if they keep going, will be our number one receiver for the foreseeable future. You have Carrion. Uh, you have uh, Frank Ragnow, who is probably going to be a staple on that, de- on that offensive line for the next decade. Who knows what they're going to do in the future? You trade for uh, for Snacks, who's got a couple years with us. He's a big mm-hmm. big name for us on the line. And you, you bring in uh, Okora, Eli Harold. You bring in guys who are actually stepping up that other teams didn't want. I mean, are the Lions making the right moves just not fast enough for you, Jay? Or do you feel like this is just kind of a few fluke signings that appear to have worked out? I don't, I don't think it's fluke at all. I... I think that the average fan watching it from afar is going to want the instant gratification. And they think that, oh, it's the Patriot way. Look at these two dudes. Look at Quinn. Look at Patricia. We're going to do all these things, and we're just going to win immediately. I think majority of people in Detroit think that's what was going to happen. I, personally, from our – and maybe you guys probably share the same perspective. We're building for the future. Mm-hmm. And when the right puzzle pieces like Galladay and Carrion step up – you know they're going to be around for a while. And we have the puzzle pieces that need to leave the boardroom, uh, be it parts of the O-line and the defensive side of the ball. And I think if you understand that you can't win a championship overnight, you probably appreciate it. But, you know, it's just as soon as people are congratulating Bob Quinn for what he did at the draft, they're probably dogging him now that we have a losing record. So I think the average fan, they're not, they're not looking at the bigger picture right now. Okay. Uh, Russ, where do you fall with this? I'm kind of split on it because it's yes, I see that the there are some low key moves being done that are helping this team and seem to be building up the talent base and depth that that wasn't there, frankly. Um, and building a championship team, an actual championship team, takes time and you have to do it through the draft. So it's not going to happen tomorrow. But the pieces that are in place seem to be regressing, and maybe even at a faster rate then we're bringing in new talent. Stafford's taking a big step back. Uh, This offensive line in the second half of the season has taken a big step back. Mm -hmm. Uh, The defensive, really most of the defense has had its moments and then had its very poor moments, especially the secondary over the last, like, four weeks. So it's, from personnel side, it's encouraging, and there is something building, but from a scheme standpoint from a coaching standpoint day to day it's a little worrisome and hopefully that's just first year problems that they'll work out because the talent is growing um, but it's being utilized worse and worse yeah it's 
it's one of those things where I, I am in the, I guess I would say I am in the side of believing that we're in the right direction. The problem is we're not going to get to that destination fast enough that I think Quinn and Patricia will still be here when it's achieved. Because, as you know, when, when you make these moves, the next coach doesn't necessarily come in and clean house on a roster. If he did, that'd be insane. So I think whoever, assuming we don't turn this around massively next year, Whoever's next in that coaching chair is probably going to inherit a pretty stacked up team that he's just got to work the right uh, small moves with and should be turned around. But this is uh, for me, I like the direction. Uh, I like Patricia. I'm not a huge fan of Bob Quinn. He seems to have taken that mentality of uh, Belichick and just I'm not going to speak to anyone. I'm just going to you know sit up in my tower and make plotty moves. And we'll see at the end of the year because at the end of the year he has to talk and uh, something tells me the fans of Detroit are not going to, you know, be too kind with him. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, on a lighter note, uh, how much fun, <laughs> it was fun for me, uh, I guess how much fun, but what else does it say about this team that the only receiving touchdown we had was to Taylor Decker, Russ? <laughs> it was fun, and it was, it definitely kind of led into that whole feeling of, hey, maybe they can win. Mm-hmm. Um but I guess it was more disappointing that he looked like the best tight end that the Lions have had all season long. You, you remember Luke Wilson? You, does anyone remember signing him? Yeah, yeah. I Luke, mean, he's, Luke Wilson. Oh yeah. He's like the third Hemsworth brother. Nobody <laughs> cares. Nobody sees him. Like, yeah. Taylor Decker did the best tight end job we've seen so far this year in one catch. So, uh, and, he, and that was in a week that – Toy Lolo had more yards than he did the whole season. I was going to say, you're telling me Levine Toy Lolo didn't look good with four catches for 90 yards? I mean, that guy was yeah, – that guy was he, he bailed Stafford out a couple times, I will say that. He came, he, went up, he came up with some big catches when we needed it. Maybe not yeah, impact catches, but big enough to get us out of some bad situations. Oh, right, but he, he's a guy – I think he's like 6'8". He, yeah. he, you're throwing up to the tower there, and he should be bailing his quarterback out. And – if he can do this regularly, it makes me question why haven't we been trying at least? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, I believe you tweeted out the stat that like the Lions are towards the bottom of the league when it comes to uh, pass attempts beyond 20 yards. But I, I yep. remember specifically saying to you guys when I went to training camp at the start of this year, this offense had the feel of a dink and dump. We're not going to go for the big play ball. Very often, we're just going to work our way downfield, long drives, where make the defense make the mistakes. Obviously, that hasn't happened in the way of defense making the mistakes. Our offensive line has done most of that for us. But this never felt to me like the offense that, in my opinion, would Stafford would flourish with. Stafford has one of the biggest arms in the league. There's no doubt about it. He's right there in that conversation. And for some odd reason, I don't understand why we are not trying to heave that ball downfield where Stafford's arm flourishes. I mean, any any quarterback in the league can make a 10-yard, you know, toss because if you can't then you shouldn't be playing quarterback, period. So, it's one of those things where I do wonder why we haven't opened this offensive up, offense up. It's the end of the year, we're not going anywhere. Let's we, we've got all these little pieces that might be here next year. Let's see what they can do because I guarantee you Cooter is not calling the plays next year as the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. Ooh, staking your claim now. I there's no way he survives. I, I think what I what I was thinking with McCarthy, and we'll touch on that here in a minute, mm-hmm. is what I think they're doing with Cooter. Cooter's gone. There just it makes no sense to fire him right now because one, we're not going anywhere, and two, 
you're going to have to throw another guy in to try to call the offense. Just let Cooter finish out the year. He's not going to be your your offensive coordinator next year because if he is the offensive coordinator next year, uh, I think you're going to have a lot of problems because this is he's just not the guy. I like him. Start of the year, he looked like he had a pretty good idea. He started getting a little tricky, but he seems to have gone back to the play it safe. I don't like. He thinks he can save his job by playing it safe, and no offense, you can't do that. So Cooter no. Cooter's getting the Urban Meyer treatment. They're just letting him stick around to resign at the end. Pretty much, oh, yeah. Wow. Pretty much, yeah. So, um. Yeah, it this to me is just it's it's a tough situation. I, I the Lions, they, they they seem to have pieces in the right spot. The problem is they just don't have enough of them right now, and it's it, it's tough because Russ, you and I were both pretty high to start this year, and uh, that's definitely deflated since uh, since the last couple weeks. Oh, one hundred percent. I thought this team was ready to take the next step, and the next step ended up being backwards. So yeah. it, it has very much been disappointing. Um, I guess technically they can still finish 8-8. Eight eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got a couple very winnable games coming up, so maybe they can at least get the 7. Yeah. Well, speaking of winnable games, let's we'll move on to the uh, our game of the week for this one. Uh, the Lions travel to Arizona to face the Cardinals. Cardinals team that is, it's, it's weird to say, is struggling more than the Detroit Lions are. They are, uh, if I'm looking at this correctly, 3-9 and nine on the year. But the even better one for me, I feel, is they are one in five at home. A team that's one in five at home has a lot of problems going for it. So uh, you very ever, I, I feel like you rarely ever hear of a team that's better on the road than they are at home. But that seems to be the case for the Cardinals. So I guess that works well for us. But on the flip side, uh, we are one in four away from Ford Field because. In case you didn't, gotta win. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, in case you didn't know, the reason we're one and four away is because all the other goalposts don't have the same jinx that Ford Field has going for it. <laughs> so we, we we get into a little problem there. Um, Lions are a fifty, almost fifty six uh, percent favorite in the matchup. Uh, spreads only three, but uh, what I find interesting, the over under is forty and a half. So uh, Jay, uh, we'll let you go first on this. Who are you taking, and uh, where, where are you thinking with the whole spread and over under? What was what was the uh, over under again? Forty and a half. All right, I'm I'm taking the Cardinals and I'll take the under as well. Uh, the Lions are averaging, I think, last I saw, it was 21 points a game on average. Uh, Arizona has the worst; they're at like 14 and change. Um, so just with those two numbers there, I'm taking the under for sure. Uh, I just I don't I don't see our offense doing anything productive. I don't think we've scored more than 20 points in our last three games, and if we can't score any touchdowns, we're going to lose to one of the worst teams in the league. Um, you know, losing Tate um, is obviously showing its signs. I don't know really what Stafford's doing. As of late, we had no business being a part of that Rams game. The Rams should have throttled us and looked like they took it easy on us. So um, I'll go Cardinals and I'll take the under. I think it's going to be an ugly, low-scoring affair. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Russ, where are you going? I'm uh I'm actually gonna take the Lions to win this one, uh, mainly because the Cardinals has, are struggling so much with injuries recently. Uh, the Lions, sure the offensive line has been underperforming, but at least most of them are still there. Cardinals just put DJ Humphreys on the IR, which means their entire starting offensive line from Game One is now unavailable. Mm-hmm. They're dealing 100% with backups. They just lost Christian Kirk to IR as well. So it's Larry Fitz, it's old Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson, who they can't figure out how to use properly. Yeah, is, is are the only offensive weapons they have there. Um, 
coming off of a big win against Green Bay. I, I don't know that they know how to show up two games in a row yet. So I'll, I'll take the Lions to win. I think the Cardinals still cover. Uh, give me like a 20-17 to 17 Lions victory. Okay, that's fair. Um, I am, uh, I'm actually going with Russ on this one. Uh, I said uh, earlier I think that this week and next week against Buffalo are two games that we – should win. We these are games where this is where you make it up, kind of in the way of the stat pad for make the make the record look a little better than it really is. Um, I'm kind of in the same way with you, Russ. I think this is going to be a close game. I don't I don't see the Lions going out and this being like a 27 to nothing uh, beatdown. Uh, Arizona is struggling. They really are. Uh, I said at the start of the year, I don't think much of uh, Josh Rosen. I do not. And looking at his stats right now. He's pretty much a 50-50 ball guy. I mean, for, uh, 148 to 273 for just under 1,700 yards, 10 TDs, 11 interceptions. So he's really one of those guys who he's on a bad team. He's not having the greatest year. Uh, I would put him at the bottom of the QB class right now. Now, obviously, careers are very early. Uh, but I see this being a pretty much the same, 2017, you know, 23-20 kind of game. Lions get the W in Arizona. And we uh, we try to, like you said, try to get to 8-8. Eight 8-8, eight. Eight eight, while it's a horrible thing, is the best we can hope for. And uh, if we get to that, maybe, maybe we can find some hope going into next year, like Lions fans do. We're always better next year, at least in our heads. So, uh, but, but, Eric, if I can real quick. Yeah. We've talk, you mentioned hope, but wouldn't you be more hopeful if we lose out the next four and it, and it increases our odds in the draft? No, because I'm one of those people that, the these these first overall picks, uh, while they're great to get, the draft's a gamble no matter where you are. The first overall picks just as much a gamble as Mister Irrelevant. If you wanna if you wanna really make that point, justify it by the Edmonton Oilers. How many first round picks have they had? They're still booty. They're still garbage. So the the, the draft's great and you can find gems, but if you look at it, Jay, that first overall pick, you you can find success with it. But and I know you hate me bringing them up. The, the best quarterback of all time was taken in the sixth round and no, after like six quarterbacks have been drafted before him. You're not old, that first round pick or first overall pick does not always guarantee you the big turnaround you're looking for. Because if it did, Cleveland, Jacksonville, Detroit, Oakland, they wouldn't be drafting as high as they are every year in repeat. That's just my opinion. Yeah, no, and I, and I get it because it's not a lock. You can always find pieces elsewhere without outside of the top ten. The only thing I'd argue about hockey though is that the top three is like all that's there. Those are your guaranteed dudes. So like in the NFL, I think you got more security as you move down the drafting board there. Yeah. But I just if if you can do it, like it, it's working for the Seventy Sixers, and that's why like I believe in the tanking process. I believe that if you can do it, and you know, even if you don't have the the biggest guarantee that it's going to help you. Like I wanted Holland to tank, you know, this past March and lose out to get better odds. We don't know what's going to work, but that's, that's like just as good as winning. It's a, it's a, it's, it's built by design almost, but yeah. I know I'm in the minority of it, which is cool. No, no that's I, fine. But that's the thing. I like the NBA. The NBA has developed a system where it's, it's kind of tank proof. You can tank if you want, but t- you can have the worst record in the NBA. You're not guaranteed the first overall pick because of the lottery. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can tank, you're going to get a high pick, but you're not guaranteed you're going to be drafting LeBron James or Zion Williamson or, you know, or AI and all that. You're, you're going to get a good player. You might not get the best player. And 
that's just how it is to me. But like you said, I don't want to get too far away from football here, but I would like to point something out and get both your opinions here because of what Jay just said. In the NHL, those top three, top four guys, you know those are the guys. They're the, they're the, they're the guys that are probably going to have some serious success in the NHL. But in that way, then, shouldn't Edmonton be a pretty stacked team right now, having the first <laughs> overall pick every single year and taking what, in your, in your words, is a cannot-miss guy, Jay? Well, that's just that's a misappropriation of funds. <laughs> the Edmonton, Edmonton Oilers didn't. That's like that's like you're going into. Uh, uh, no, I'm not. I have an analogy for it. I'm not going to say it. It's not going to be appropriate. It's just you. You walk into a situation that you are not mature enough to handle. We'll put it that way. They they did not know what to do with all that talent. Okay, that's fair. And I mean, it's just uh, you mentioned that, and I kind of wanted to. I wanted to see if my my train of thought was, you know, off the wrong way. But I mean, you kind of agreed with me here, like. Just because you have that first all pick, you have to have someone good in the driver's seat. Otherwise, you're probably going to crash. Uh, we learned that with uh, with Millen and and you know those guys. They we had those first overall picks, but those first overall picks led to Joey Harrington, Charles Rogers. You know, uh, Roy Williams was all right, but you know Kevin Jones. We drafted guys that were just weren't that great. I mean, you look back at our draft over the last decade. We've made, in my opinion, excluding this year's draft because we don't actually know that carry on is going to be the bust out we think he is you look at it we've made and correct me if i'm wrong here russ four arguably four quality picks in the last decade i mean i, I guess you have to stretch a little further because calvin stafford well, are you going sue to first round picks yeah our first round picks okay calvin and i guess Ragnow would be our first round pick so I, i'll say that but calvin sue uh Stafford and I, I don't even know I I guess Taylor Decker is not that bad. No, he's he's an average starting offensive lineman. Or or he's Jared, not a bust, or, but he's not great. Or Jared Davis, which we we mentioned Jared Davis's lack in coverage, but he is still a great tackler. He has a nose for the football. So if you go back to the last 10 years, maybe stretch a little bit cuz Calvin was drafted in I believe 06 or 07. So go back 10 11 years, we've made four quality first round picks in 12 years. That doesn't boast well for us. And that shows you that having that first-round pick, a high first-round pick, doesn't always guarantee success. No, tanking is only acceptable if you can trust the front office that's leading it. And and that's exactly what we're seeing in Edmonton. I mean, they locked into Connor freaking McDavid, and the team is still garbage. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they locked into picking Taylor Hall and then traded him away. Like, this is... It only works if you can trust the front office. I, I like the idea. There is a drastic difference in expected career value from, like, the top couple picks to further down. Um, and in football, that spreads a little bit closer. But if they don't know what they're doing and they don't know what to do once they have the player, it doesn't matter as much. You might as well try and win on Sunday so you can be happy a little bit. Yeah. So to answer your question, Jay, no. I think I would get more hope out of finishing 8-8 eight and eight because – the way I see it, Bob Quinn and Patricia over the last, you know, at least Bob Quinn. We haven't seen a lot out of Patricia in the draft other than this past season. They will make the smart pick instead of the sexy pick. And I think the first overall pick, it, it, it pushes for that, that sexy pick. Everybody wants to, oh, you got the first overall pick. You got to take that super insanely skilled wide receiver. No one likes seeing, you know, an offensive lineman or a center or a defensive tackle go first overall in the draft. That's the quarterback. That's the running back, the wide receiver. It happens, but 
No, you rarely, if ever, I, I couldn't even name the last time you saw a defensive back or a safety as the first overall pick in the draft. But guess what we need? Defensive backs, safeties, offensive and defensive linemen. So, no, I think I would rather go 8-8, eight and eight, have a you know the 10th, 11th pick in the draft or whatever it is, and see them do what they did this year. Take that Frank Ragnow. Take that Carrion Johnson or that Jared Davis. The guy that, while he's not that super, you know, insanely highly noted like no ah, what's that word he doesn't have a lot of notoriety but he's he's the player we need that would be what i would rather see so a quarterback yeah, yeah so quarterback <laughs> yeah so quarterback Dra- I, I i agree with what you're saying we're we're hey, we're all trying to get to the same destination right yeah that's so. true that's fair um <clears throat> we got a lot to cover in the nfl so i want to keep going with it uh we're not going to go too far we're going to stay in the nfc north um hey guys on the upside Matt Patricia's not Matt Patricia's seen another NFC North quarterback fired before him. So we got we got some good there. Because the Packers cut Mike McCarthy loose after quite a long career there. He's been there quite a while. Um my question for you, Russ, is and like I said with Cooter, uh, are you kind of surprised because Green Bay season's over as well. They're they're in the same boat as us. Are you kind of surprised they didn't just let him ride out the year and we'll we'll start from a new next season as opposed to firing them after the loss to the Cardinals? I absolutely was surprised by it. This is a guy that has won at least 10 wins in eight of his 13 years in Green Bay. He won a Super Bowl for him. He's got 125 wins for that team. And, yeah, it was a bad it was a bad game. And they are got a bad record right now at 4-7-1, which is pretty inexcusable inexcus- when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers. But you're turning to Joe Philbin. He's going to change things. Like, yeah, let him, let him ride it out. I, I think there's more to this situation than we know. Cause uh, last January he signed a one year contract extension and usually a, a head coach in good standing won't sign just a one year unless he's a weirdo like Belichick. Yeah. So I, I think there might've been something else going on and the writing was kind of on the wall that he was on his way out and they finally had enough of it. I, I guess losing to the Cardinals will do that to you. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Justin, what are you making out of this? Dude, as long as I've watched football, Green Bay Packers and Mike McCarthy have been a successful marriage together. So it caught me off guard. <clears throat> Russ, is, Russ has it. it. There has to be something that's not being brought out to the public, which leads to it. I mean, they, they lost to one of the worst teams in the league, and then he's gone. So it just it felt kind of premature and quick, but – then again, if, if you're Green Bay and that's the bar and you're well below the bar, see you by next man up. So I, I also have no no problem with that philosophy if that's what's happening too. So I'm just more concerned that there's still some guy named Philbin who's going to coach the team because I'm just thinking of the Regis Philbin. And if that's <laughs> anything like him, then Green Bay has a lot of problems ahead of him. Yeah. I, I think a lot of this is I've heard rumors that uh, McCarthy and Rodgers were on, on the outs with each other, didn't like each other, didn't want anything to do mm-hmm. with each other. And as we've all learned in the NFL, when it comes to either a head coach or a high-level franchise quarterback, the quarterback wins more often than not in that situation. I mean, I think we've been spoiled a little bit with the fact that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have appeared, at least appeared, to get along so well over the last 20 years that, you know, you forget that a lot of times the GM is going to look at the two and go, well, this guy is going to win the games. You're just the one calling the plays, so we're going to give it to him. So. Part of me thinks it's that. I think a lot of it was that Aaron Rodgers just wasn't feeling Mike McCarthy anymore and 
you know, Rogers is going to win that fight. That's just how it is. So, I mean, we'll see. Um, so I've heard names up the wazoo. Uh, a lot of people are saying, though, that the Harbaugh brothers, one of them might get it. And then Erin uh, actually informed me yesterday that she heard Jim Caldwell is up for this job. So the question has to be asked. I mean, Jim Caldwell back in the NFC North with the Green Bay Packers, Jay? I do not want to see Jim Caldwell's blank, soulless stare across <laughs> the field at Ford Field. Like, I already had enough of that. If he comes back and he takes over the head coaching job for Green Bay, I mean, he'll he'll be an average coach, but I'd, that guy's got to hang it up. Isn't he on some committee or something? He's got something else to do. Okay. So, um, I don't know. Between, between that, though, um, uh, John, you think John would leave uh, Baltimore? Well, I've, I've already there? heard. I've already heard that John Harbaugh is going to leave Baltimore at the end of this year, regardless. So wow. you just got to wonder if that opportunity is there. That that to me would seem like a more appealing uh, job because, as we all know, the only thing holding uh, Harbaugh there, Russ, has to be Joe Flacco, right? Screw Joe Flacco. <laughs> I do. That ain't holding anyone anywhere. <laughs> He's not even be I mean, the starting Lamar, quarterback next year. <laughs> no, Lamar Jackson has looked more effective as a starting quarterback than Joe Flacco has in many years. They're passed over to finding a replacement there. Um, Harbaugh has been there since 2008. Yeah. It, that's, that's a long t- 10 years for an NFL head coach is a very long tenure. So, no, I wouldn't be surprised to see him leave. Jim Caldwell, though, I would love to see him in Green Bay. Good for at least one, like, 12 guys on the field penalty, a botched timeout, mismanaged clock. Yeah, that'd be nice to see on the other sidelines for once. I'm I'm definitely <laughs> here for that. Yeah. Uh, but but as a I, U of M fan, though, Jim Harbaugh, do you really see him leaving Michigan? I mean, Urban Meyer leaves Ohio State. Not that Ohio State's going to just drop off the face of the earth, but mm-hmm. Urban Meyer had his, you know, had his number, and – Harbaugh over the last couple of years has appeared to build this program into one that's got some consistent success going. They're in the playoff conversation every year. It's one of those things where do you really take that for what we're kind of assuming might be a pretty, you know, contra or not controversial, but mismanaged uh, roster right now? Well, I'll, I'll say this. Jim Harbaugh, his next year with Michigan will be the longest that he's been a head coach anywhere. Yeah. So that there maybe there's something that hey he doesn't want to stick around. I'm not buying into it. I, I think all of those jobs were stepping stones for him to try and call back to his alma mater, and that's and that's not me drinking the Kool Aid. That's literally what he has said before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm it's it's December and there's NFL head coaching openings. So of course we're hearing about Jim Harbaugh jumping back to the NFL. I, Chris Carter just pulled a story off of last year's heap and re-ran it for this year. And that and that's why we're talking about Jim Harbaugh maybe going to Green Bay. If he went there, he becomes public enemy number one in the state mm-hmm. of Michigan overnight. I mean, half the state already hates him because they're not Michigan fans. Yeah. And then if he's going to scorn Michigan to go to Green Bay, now the Michigan fans won't like him. And whoever's left that was a Lions fan won't like him. That, he will be vilified instantaneously. And I don't think he's quite ready to do a move like that. That's fair. Uh, before we move on to another uh, team that has a head coaching vacancy and a little story I read, uh, I just, conspiracy, the- conspiracy theory, I want to throw it out there. And uh, Jay, I know how much you're going to love this and you're going to totally jump on board with me. So 
Conspiracy theory. Green Bay fires their head coach last week. A few days later, Urban Meyer decides he doesn't want to coach at Ohio State anymore. Ugh. Is Urban Meyer maybe seeing an opportunity to move up to the NFL after all these years in college football? I'm 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 sick of talking about Urban Meyer. I don't. I, who else gets to retire as many times as he did? Gets to selectively say when he has certain conditions that habilitate his memory. Like I don't. I, I'm I'm out on him. If he if he thinks he's Doctor Evil of the NFL and college football, then enjoy yourself, buddy. Like you have to deal with you at the end of the day. Yeah. So if if he if if it were to become true, to say that you're right, all this happened. So. He can put a Swiss cheese thing on top of his head. Have fun. Have a nice day. I don't. I'm out on Urban Meyer as much as I can be. So if that happens, though, Jesus, that would be shocking. Yeah. Uh, by the way, while you were talking about that, I ran the numbers. The answer to your question of who gets to retire as many times as him, uh, the answer is Brett Favre. Brett Favre uh, gets to retire. Yeah. Brett Favre gets to retire as many times as Urban Meyer does. Uh, also, Brett Favre decided he wants to come back to the NFL because he heard you talking. So uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I hear Washington's looking for a quarterback. I'm sure they would love one. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, yeah they oh would. yeah. Yeah. Oof. Uh, yeah. I, this is a total conspiracy theory because one, Urban Meyer's offense doesn't even work in the NFL in theory. But two, the guy's coached in college for so long. He's had his opportunities in the NFL. If he really wanted to take him, he probably could have. I I mentioned to Russ before the show. I personally think he's he's trying to line himself up for that USC head coaching job after next year. And I think that'd be a great place for him. Southern California, he can collect all that all that talent down there to go play for him. It that to me would be an ideal situation. It's it's something he can he seems to me like a guy that likes to like he likes the rebuild cuz he goes to Florida when they're not that great, builds them into a national championship. Ohio State was never bad, but they you know, they'd had a couple off years. Goes there, builds him into a perennial powerhouse. Something tells me he's that kind of guy that he needs that challenge of having to build it up. He, you know, these easy seasons might not get him the way Nick Saban appears to love it. So USC makes sense. They're not a great team right now. You get that chance to rebuild up, and I mean, you can see what happens there. Well, I, I think what we're missing here is he, he is the epitome of die as a hero or live long enough to become the villain, and, yeah. and make no bones about it. Look at the controversy that's followed him, the legal trouble that's followed his players. Urban Meyer is the villain. Mm-hmm. Oh, he absolutely. doesn't stick around mm-hmm. long enough to get caught. So, yeah, it, it would make sense. He takes a couple of years off for these medical reasons that he apparently has, again, and uh, resurfaces at a program like USC. That that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. It really does. Um, But now on the flip, uh, speaking of a guy who uh, seems destined to stay to, to stay where he is in college, but rumors are circulating of him making the step to the NFL. Um, Baker Mayfield said yesterday he would not push Cleveland to hire Lincoln Riley, but he thinks Lincoln Riley is ready to be an NFL head coach. Russ, if you're, we were talking about it a little bit before the show while we were getting ready. If you're Lincoln Riley, there is no win for you going into the NFL. You're in a perfect spot right now, and you have no there, there's no real upside to joining the NFL other than saying, "Yeah, I coached in the NFL." Well, I yeah, I think that's really the only thing that can draw him away is if they offer him more money and if he's really into saying, "Hey, I was an NFL head coach," because he's not going to find a better setup than he's at at Oklahoma, and he's got a really good thing going there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure they're paying him enough as well that the jump to the NFL might not be that much different. 
Um, but especially a situation like the Browns, that it seems like a, he's Baker's lackey move if they if they do something like that, and that's kind of a no win for him because if it if they do work out, well, it's Baker's team. If they don't work out, uh, back to what we said earlier, when it's a choice between a franchise quarterback and a head coach, uh, the teams tend to favor the quarterback. Mm-hmm. So it, it it's a no win move for him to go to Cleveland and the best chance to win and continue to stay successful is probably in Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, if you ask me, I think this this past year was Lincoln Riley's proving year because mm-hmm. Baker was still there his first year. But you know what? You had an established quarterback. You had a guy that you knew you were going to win with. So when Stoops set de- stepped down, you have to think that that athletic department looked at Lincoln Riley and said, okay, everything he did last year, you do this year. Don't we're not messing with anything. Let just stick to what we did last year with Baker this year. And it got him into the the college football playoff. It got him there. Baker leaves. There's the whole thing of will Kyler Murray play this year? Is he going to play baseball? But you know what? Kyler came back. All right. Here's your first time with a quarterback. This is your guy. Let's see what you can do. They're back in the playoff. If you're Lincoln Riley, you're going there's there's a formula here that's working. I I, I think I might have to stay with it. Because even if you go to Cleveland, okay, you take the Cleveland job. One, you don't have success. They're getting rid of Baker, or they're, they're getting rid of you before they're getting rid of Baker. That's 100%. But two, you, you've just left a high-profile college football job that is not going anywhere anytime soon. You're going to stay where you are and do well for the NFL, and you're going to have probably little to no success early on in Cleveland because just because you go there, it's not going to automatically turn Cleveland around. Cleveland is still a losing football team right now. They just happen to have some talent that makes ESPN every week. So if you ask me, uh, Lincoln Riley would be a fool to leave for Cleveland. If he's going to take an NFL coaching job, I think you got to say, listen, I love you, Baker. You know, we had a lot of great times at uh, Oklahoma together. We won some serious football games. Uh, I'm going to take one of these other head coaching jobs and uh, make my own path, go my own way, because there's no win for me coming to Cleveland and coaching with you again immediately. Maybe down the road. If you bump into each other down the road, that's great. But I don't think right now, I think you got to stay at Oklahoma or if you're going to go to the NFL, try to get as far away from Baker Mayfield as you can because it's just going to do nothing good for your career. Absolutely. So, I mean, we'll see. You never know. You honestly never know, but that's just where I sit with it. And uh, we know how much Justin loves Baker Mayfield, so... I'm sorry I said get away from Baker Mayfield so many times, Jay. Yeah, that, that kind of offended me a little bit. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's going to be all right, buddy. It's going to be all right. Um, <clears throat> it's it's a terrible transition, but I, I have to do it anyway. Speaking of offensive, and I know this offended all of us, uh, this is probably the, the lowest point we're going to have for the show, but it's something we have to talk about just because of what happened. Uh, obviously, we all know Cream Hunt cut by Kansas City last week for a video surfacing from February where he shoved and while on the ground kicked a female in the hallway of his, the apartment he was living at, uh, lied to Kansas city about it, told them the complete false story. Uh, tape comes out from TMZ a couple weeks ago. And here we are with this. Uh, honestly, I know we all watched his apology. We'll call it apology video or interview. He did. Uh, I felt there was no remorse there. I felt he really was just doing this to, you know, try to save face and hope that enough people would forgive him that he gets an NFL job back. But, 
Jay, I'll let you go first. I mean, Kareem Hunt, NFL career over? Unfortunately, no. And this is why I have problems with it, is that I don't like – I mean, I'm not going to say I don't like. When, when escapism and reality collide in sports, people better check their shit at the door because we all see Kareem Hunt on the football field, and you know that Kareem Hunt. But you got a little insight into another version of Kareem Hunt. And that other version is the reality part of it and on the field is the escapism. So when you get to know someone on a more intimate level and they're guilty clearly of what they did, go get your head straight. Go go get you figured out um, before you can come back into the NFL. And that's what I would do if I had control over the whole entire damn thing. But that's not what's going to happen. This is going to come and it's going to go. And his apology was not remorseful, in my opinion, because he knows he's going to get paid. He's got his money. He's got his talent. He'll be back in the NFL one day. And I hope he's not. I hope they figure out a way to just say, look, if you're a bad dude, you're not playing in this league where we pamper you and you get all the money that you don't even know what to do with. But he'll be back. And I don't like that. I, I, I like sports to get away from reality. And I don't mind dealing with it when, it, when they collide together. Mm-hmm. But – He's going to get paid. He's going to have a job. He has talents that make people come to stadiums, which get people richer, which brings in more money and concessions and jerseys and all that other stuff. So he'll get another chance, unfortunately. But, if, again, if I had control over it, it would be a permanent ban. Like, go go fix being a human before you start entertaining people again. Yeah, I, I see where you're going with that, and I, I, I agree. This is not a guy that should be given a second opportunity because – if he couldn't run the football the way he did, or if he couldn't, you know, if he wasn't that kind of uh, money maker for the NFL, if he was just an average guy, one, he'd probably be, you know, going to jail, but two, he would never be getting a second opportunity. It's because of the skill set he has. And um, Russ, I told you earlier I was going to try to play devil's advocate. As I think about it, there really is no way to prove the like this being justifiable. Because as we all know, there's Correct. nothing justifiable. Yeah, as we all know, there's nothing justifiable about hitting a woman. There's there's just nothing. Because I can I can probably safely say all of us have been infuriated by our significant others at any point or at some point in our lives. But the difference is we've never felt compelled or ever hit that person because apparently we were just raised the right way in that regard. Um, I guess the devil's advocate I can think of is, and this is his close as I could get and believe me it's not that close so I fully expect you to shred this argument apart very quickly but explain to me how a guy like Kareem Hunt is going to get a second opportunity and be welcomed you know probably welcome back into the NFL with open arms yet a guy like a guy, a guy like Michael Vick does what he did and he has struggled so mightily to get back into the league and really never attained any near close success to what he had prior to what he did well, the sad truth is it's far more relatable to the wide population to ha- to take the side of a dog than a woman, and, and that is troubling at a very deep level because mm-hmm. there is a large portion of this fan base that does not give a shit about what he did. Uh, but Mike Vick went to jail for what he did. He, he ended up getting a second chance, let's not forget. and. Several after that, he, he had a decent second career uh, as far as longevity went. But this is—it's kind of the state of things are in. Um, Kareem Hunt will get another chance because he's young, 
and because he's still talented and because above all else in the NFL, winning talks. Yeah. Winning is worth more than morality right now. I mean, Reuben Foster got claimed off waivers. And this isn't new. Like, Dante Stallworth killed somebody mm-hmm. when he was drunk driving. And he was on a team after that. And, and not just for that year. It, it matters more. I mean, you see with Ray Rice, his career was probably over just as much for talent as what happened there. Mm-hmm. So he, he'll get another job. And, and, and I think that's what held Vic back as well because he spent some time incarcerated and he had time away from the game. Um, so he, didn't, he wasn't welcomed back as quick because they weren't sure the talent was there as much. Um, it's disgusting. The whole thing is disgusting. I, I'd mm-hmm. be happy if I never have to see Hunt play again. Um, and the NFL right now is making the NHL really easy for me to watch. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> but he, he'll be back. Yeah, unfortunately. Can, and, I, uh, can I add one thing to that, Russ? Yeah. Yeah, of course. So the one thing that I just that just popped into my mind is that, like, you're, you're referencing how players come back in the league and they keep making their money and, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's you don't understand how all that works. I thought about it from the front end of things. Like, the ridiculous questions that they ask at the combines and all the interviews that they go through and all the evaluations that they go through, they're trying to mitigate that stuff because they know they're going to get put in a position where money is going to trump anything else and that's what they're going to pick. And it's just mm-hmm. like that's such a shitty cycle that is imposed on everyone because of money. It's like oh, they yeah. mitigate on the front end because they know they're going to keep following the dollar sign. Absolutely. I mean, uh, um, and until uh, the fan, it's really going to take the fans who push the money into the, the game, uh, you have to say, you know what, I'll find something else. This, it isn't worth it to me to continue mm-hmm. to contribute to this nonsense. I mean, and it's such—it's become such the lifeblood of America, really. That I don't see that changing anytime soon. I, maybe some of us could. Maybe ten percent drop off, and and that does a little something, but probably not. It, it'll take a much larger movement for anything to actually change. Uh, changing the commissioner might be a nice start, though. Just to throw that in there. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, he's he's not the best. Uh, and I feel like, obviously, this is the commissioner we would probably have the most knowledge about because when the transition was made from the previous, we, we, we still followed the NFL, but probably not as closely as we do now. And I just feel like I, I can't remember a time with a commissioner in any sport having as much controversy in his reign as uh, we do right now. It's just the guy seems to just draw drama to him. So, it, it, I mean, it, it could be a good first step to say, listen, you tried, but uh, we're going to have to move on and get someone else in here because this is not the NFL we want to uh, convey to the to the world. Yep. So, and we'll see. Um, I know the answer, but it's a question that has to be asked because, like we said, he has talent. He can do things on a football field very few can do, and for that he is, a, unfortunately, a commodity all teams would be interested in. As a Lions fan, if next year or two years from now you heard Lions sign Kareem Hunt or Lions trade for Kareem Hunt, are you are you going to be okay with this? Are you going to embrace this, or is this a okay? Well, time to find another team, Justin. I do believe in second chances to an extent. I feel that Kareem Hunt has crossed that line. And I would rather lose games 
then have him employed. And it's not a knee-jerk reaction because it's just it's topical right now. It's just that I it I don't I don't need that. I'd rather lose the whole entire season than employ someone who clearly has some issues going on. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm out on that. Yeah. Ross. No, well, one hundred percent. I mean, I I can't feel good about enjoying the team win if I know that's the kind of guy that's helping them do it. Yeah, I I don't want to see him there. And and yes, I I also believe in second chances. But he had a second chance when like oh all of his entourage that were there were trying to hold him back, and he fought through every single one of them to get to that woman. Yeah. He had a second and a third chance, and he turned them all down there. Yeah. No, I I in. Listen, I completely am on the same side as you guys. The problem is you have to make it kind of bring it closer to home because if I say, you know, the Green Bay Packers or the Seattle Seahawks or the Oakland Raiders sign him, you still have that impact, but you don't have to watch those teams if you don't want to. We watch the Detroit Lions every week, partly because we're fans, but, too, we do this show. We try to analyze as best we can, and if that's the case, him being there every week and hearing – Touchdown, Cream Hunt. Touchdown, Cream Hunt. Cream Hunt breaks for a big play. It brings it a lot closer to home than if you're not watching that team every week. So, I, but I'm completely with you guys. I'm, I'm with you, Jay. I would rather lose games. I would rather you bring back like TJ Duckett or bring back guys like that than see a guy like this on our football team. It's just not something I want. It's he's mm-hmm. one of those guys that he. he the talent's there. Everyone has to agree with that, the talent's there. But the problem is there's a certain level of class you have to have. You're an adult. You're, you're, you're supposedly supposed to be a role model for you know the next generation. Well, guess what? That's a horrible role model if, if that's what you're looking up to because all it's saying is, hey, guess what? If I'm good enough at something, I can get away with things that no one else gets away with mm-hmm. and it'll be fine. And that's not something that you want that's not something to look up to and that's where it kind of boils down for me you can have all the talent in the world but no offense if you're someone who believes it's okay to hit a woman or to you know do those kind of they drive drunk and you think you can get away with hitting someone with your car and you don't have to go to jail you don't have to you don't live on the same plane as the rest of us do that's not someone to look up to at all it really isn't. And it's the sad right. fact that because you're so skilled, you can do these things. It's just, it's ridiculous. So. Absolutely. It's tough. All right, well, that's about as low as we're going to get. Let's let's try to get back up now. Uh, we're going to go on to plays of the week. Uh, a couple good ones. A couple good ones. It was, it was fun getting these. Uh, Jay, you're going to go first because you picked a play that it, 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 is a, it is a good play and it's well done, but it's also one of those ones where – it hits home because this is a guy who should be doing this for the Honolulu Blue and Silver, but instead he's in Philly doing it. So uh, first off is going to be Jay's play of the week. Hold on. Jay's play of the week is here, I promise. It's here somewhere. Oh, yeah, there it is. Here's Wentz. To the end zone. All right, Jay, touchdown Golden Tate. Why is that your play of the week? All right, two things on the actual play, and then I'll tell you why I picked it because it has nothing to do with football. Um, 
at the end of the play, him doing the worm. I don't. I haven't seen anyone do that celebration yet. So I thought that was pretty nice. Um, if I tried to do that, I'd basically just be planking and flailing my toes. Um, number one, uh, Carson Wentz being able to get out of the pocket. Please come to Detroit. Please, please give me a quarterback that can move and be successful. I, I love seeing when you know uh, a pocket quarterback can come out and make plays like that. Lastly. Golden Tate getting his first touchdown with Philly. I've been watching it. I've been checking his stats to see when it would finally happen. Um, I, I think we're going to miss Golden Tate because of plays like that. Um, but, you know, it, it's like a, a short-term relationship. You see him go out and flourish elsewhere, and you're, and you're happy for him. I mean, I think the Eagles have a legitimate shot of getting into the playoffs and maybe repeating, which I think is going to be a huge task. But um, they're better off with Tate. We're better off without Tate. And him finally getting his first touchdown. Um, it's just it's just nice to go see him go out there and get some for him. So that's why I picked him. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's it, it is tough when a guy was this you know this successful for you know your team. It's tough to see him go and you want him you want the best for him. But at the same time, watching him do it and knowing he could be doing that for the Detroit Lions makes it all that much harder. So, uh, Russ, you decided to uh, stay in the NFC North this week. Went with a uh, a pretty cool play. Russ and I both went running back this time, but. It's safe to say these running backs were doing two completely different things. Seconds ago, there's Cohen. Burton to Cohen, looking to throw it, and he's got the touchdown. Anthony Miller off of the handoff, the toss to Cohen, and look at that. And look at that, indeed. Russ, uh, all the plays this week you could have chose from. What about this one stood out to you as the best play of the week? Well, for, first off, with the game on the line, with zeros left on the clock, you call a halfback pass. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that that's pretty cool. And and then to keep it short, he became the shortest player to ever throw a touchdown in NFL history. At five six, he's looking at Drew Brees, going, "Hey, how's the weather up there?" <laughs> and, and still throwing. A game-winning like this—the ice water in his veins is just unreal. It it hurt that it was the Bears, but dude, that was that was something else. And uh, I, I bet they never saw that coming. Even though the Bears did end up losing in overtime, so yeah. that that's why I can stomach it even more. That's fair. It's more than fair. It was a heck of a play, real quick play. But yeah, like you said, ice in your veins to have faith to put it in your running back's hands to win the game. And I I gotta believe he had the. The go ahead to tuck it if he saw the need, but to to have the you know the balls to say, oh no, I'm gonna throw it and uh, see what happens. It, it was it was one hell of a play, uh, very tough to top. I decided I'm gonna go running back, but I'm gonna go with a guy that I'm pretty sure all of us had you know written off as he, he's done. He had a great career, couldn't couldn't get the second act together. He goes to Washington, and you know what? He kind of has a second act going right now. Eagles with the Cowboys. He's back. Adrian Peterson is going to help him. Look at the 33-year-old Adrian Peterson. A 90-yard touchdown. And with that comes history for AD all day. Uh, I would like to lead off with one thing. I feel like we've been watching Adrian Peterson for like the last 20 years play football. I'm very hurt to find out he's only three years older than me. It really, it, it, it really pulls at the age strings, my friend. I can hey, feel the gray hairs growing. 
Is this because you turned 30? Yeah, I turned 30. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> just laugh at it. <laughs> um, but 90 yard run from any running back is, is, you know, is great. But to add a guy who he was so successful in Minnesota, he was so unstoppable, runs into some troubles, you know, out of the league for a little bit, comes back and just never seemed to be able to get it going again. Goes to New Orleans, has no success there. Traded midseason to Arizona. Really doesn't do much of anything there. Gets the second chance in Washington. And you know what? He he knows he's on borrowed time. He's just making the best of it on a team that needs everyone to step up right now because they, they you know, they've got their share, fair share of problems. So that, to me, is play of the week. Seeing a guy like AP bust it for 90 yards, uh, taking a handoff from Mr. Butt Fumble, Matt, uh, Mark Sanchez, who was... It was great. It was awesome. And uh, as always, put it up on the Twitter poll. want you guys to vote for him. Uh, honestly, this week, three great plays. Uh, I think everyone's a winner, but AP, 90-yard touchdown is the one that is, in my opinion, the best. So you should all vote for that one. Um, real quick before we get out of the NFL, uh, I, I texted you guys about this earlier today. Real quick talk has to be said that uh, Adam Schefter reported earlier, complications with uh, Alex Smith's surgery on his leg. Just a gruesome, gruesome injury. Uh, they're now calling it a career-threatening injury. Obviously, I don't think a lot's going to be given up between now and the end of the year and probably till next season. So if you're Washington, are you kind of throwing all draft strategy to the wind and saying quarterback, 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 quarterback? Because you don't know if Alex Smith's ever going to play football again. Russ? Yeah, I I think no later than the second round. They're probably going to have to snag a quarterback and and might have had to anyways. Alex Smith isn't exactly young, and he's already been ditched for a younger quarterback twice now yeah. in his career. So he's he's already getting towards the tail end of his uh, of his usefulness. And this injury, I, who knows what's going to happen with it? He he still even if it isn't career and end up ending his career, still got to come back from it. Is yeah. he as effective? I mean, this is a guy that relies on his mobility still, and that becomes a huge concern. Well, not only relying on the mobility, but, I mean, with an injury like that, because it, it was bad, but it really it wasn't an, anything out of the ordinary play. He got tackled, went down weird. I mean, as someone who, like you said, has to be able to trust his mobility, but also has to drop back on every play, I, I don't know how you ever can fully trust that leg again, trust being able exactly. to plant being able to do what you used to. And you got to think, I mean, while it is a physical injury, you have to think a large percentage of that injury is now mental too. Even if you get that leg back to 100%, something in your brain is never going to fully let you do what you used to do. And it's just terrible. I mean, you you look at it. Look, a guy that we all saw the play live watching it, you know, uh, a few years ago, when Marcus Latimer broke his leg for South Carolina. That man never was able to fully get it back. Legs were there, had knee problems, that's 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 fair to say. But he's even admitted his head would never let him do the things he used to be able to do. Because mm-hmm. your, your fear is, is this going to be the juke that for some reason my leg decides to just go? And it, it, it's tough. And I, I feel bad because Alex Smith was a first overall pick. Had very little success in San Francisco. Moves on to Kansas City. Gets the opportunity, gets himself back into the conversation for a top tier quarterback, really does it, and then for some reason, I mean, not, I mean, we realize the reason now, but for some odd reason, Andy Reid says, "Nope, 
Patrick Mahomes is our guy. Let's move on. And, you know, Alex Smith moves on, goes to Washington, appears to be doing a pretty great job. Then this happens. The guy is just someone who has all the talent in the world, but he's just never caught the break the way he needs to. And I really hate that I just used the word break. I know, I know. I really hate that, that I used that word. That was not fair. No, I, I, didn't even mean, I didn't even mean to use it in that way, too. I had no – oh, wow. Uh, I've, uh, my apologies to Alex Smith. He, you know, I, we're all pulling for you here. That, that, oh, that, that feels bad. Um, in other news, the, next, the new host of uh, Armchair Sports Talk will be a lot more politically correct next week as uh, this will be my final show. Um, real quick, because uh, we're short on time, but it's just something I have to bring up. Uh, we're moving on from uh, NFL. A lot to talk about there. Uh, next week, next week as we get a little closer, uh, we were going to talk it this week, but I feel like next week get a little closer, get a little more information as who's playing, who's not. Uh, we'll preview the bowl games. Uh, Michigan taking on Florida. And uh, Justin, your Spartans will be taking on Oregon in the Rent-A-Movie Bowl. So Dude, don't get me started on yeah. that. <laughs> That's next week. But, <laughs> um, Jesus. Staying, one night rental. Yeah, that New one Year's night rental, Eve. man. They're not even going to be a company in like three years. And, uh, don't. Please yeah, don't. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, oh. Something else that I know will just be just as happy for you. Uh, we're going to touch on the one topic we really have not touched on a lot since the season started. We're going to talk a little bit hockey here. Uh, Jay, Franz Nielsen had a hat trick la- the other night. How much oh did God. you love that? All right, so admittedly, <laughs> they have been playing better hockey compared to the beginning of the year. Uh, when when we started the season, and I'll get to Franz Nielsen, but when we started the season, the Red Wings were like a spam email. I wouldn't even look at it. Right now, I'm at least reading the subject line to see what's, what's, what's hitting my inbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been playing decent enough hockey. We're still not getting like destroyed on shots on, but I, we have to build a new QS. And Franz Nielsen is by far not the answer, but he is a helping moment at this time. So good. I, I they need to form a new. By the end of this year, my goal for them is to form a new QS between Larkin, uh, probably Rasmussen, um, work Zadina in. Um, I, we need to start building for the future. So the fact that we're staying in games and we're hanging with Colorado and Tampa Bay and that's good and, and go to the next step and keep building and do not go backwards. Cause we hit our low mark. So Nielsen getting a hat trick. That is good for morale. It is good for finally our goals for, um, it helps out with our shots, which is very, very abysmal in the league right now. So I am okay with the wings. And that's as far as I'll say it. Okay. That's fair. Um, Someone you didn't mention in that nucleus that I, I had as a note, and I wanted to ask Russ about. Uh, I, I really enjoy watching this guy play. Uh, I, I've been trying to avoid doing it, but I guess I'll say it. I have him on my fantasy team. Oh, oh good for you. Uh, that's Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, there's just something about this guy that I, I really like, and I feel like we need more of on this hockey team. Are, are you on the same page here, or are you someone who – Tyler Bertuzzi is just fun from time to time. Uh, more of him, no. In his role, absolutely. I, I like Tyler Bertuzzi as a player. Does he cross the line sometimes? Uh, well, let's ask that uppercut from the other day if he goes across <laughs> the line a few times. He, he, uh, he, he, lear- he learned from his uncle, so that's he did, fair. Yeah, and he is a Bertuzzi to the T and, Z- and two Zs. <laughs> like, he is exactly what you would think a Bertuzzi is. And 
he's a sandpaper kind of guy. And for this town, he's a throwback, right? He's a reminder of McCarty, except he can probably be a 45-point player regularly, uh, especially when he gets time with Larkin and Mantha. Uh, he was Last year with Zetterberg, he was a half-point-per-game player. So this is a guy that can contribute offensively, definitely mixes it up physically, and as long as you're not really leaning on him on being a producer, uh, he, he can get in there and chip away. I, I like him. Uh, do, do we need three more Bertuzzi's? No, please no. We still need scores. Um, but he's he's worth having around. I, I like him. He's just got to learn to uh, rein it back a little bit and maybe not sitting on the bench punch guys in the jaw. That's fair. I, I guess the way I, I should have worded it is he, to me, seems like what Abdelkader tries to be. He's oh, got He's got offensive 100%. gifts. He's got offensive mm-hmm. gifts, but he's also that guy who is not afraid. Like, like I, I, it was a great quote, uh, or quote. I heard it uh, on a documentary years ago. Uh, in the two thousand and after the two thousand and two team, two thousand three team, Brendan Shanahan said he's come up with the best play ever. He gives the the puck to Sergey Fedorov, and then he follows Sergey, tripping everyone as they go, <laughs> so that they can't get anywhere near him. That to me is what Tyler is. He'll give he gives the puck to the guys that need it, and he has no problem being that guy who knocks people out of the way so the goal can score. But guess what? He can also contribute to the goal. He is he he's a he's got that skill set, and that to me is what he is. He's he's Abby more improved, and that's what I liked seeing. We grew up on those chippy teams. We know we have some offensive talent there, and we're looking for other pieces. Some of it's in Grand Rapids right now, but I like that. I like that Bertuzzi's kind of taking the mantle of I, I I know I can score I know I can help with points but I also know that I can be that guy who gets the you know enforcers and gets the you know the aggressive players off our talents back and have them pay attention to me and that's what I like about him no I mean it's, it's a lot to like especially when this team is going to be mediocre at best it's nice to have some fan favorites out there to make you know day-to-day games interesting yeah I mean that's more than fair. Um, one last topic because we, you know, I, I know Russ, you 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 talked about him not being here anymore. Uh, Jimmy Howard has had a career here. He he's been a he's been a, a he was a good goalie for a while. Obviously, not as much anymore. But the guy's running a uh, he's got a what nine nine two zero save percentage, two point mm-hmm. seven goals allowed, nine wins, six losses. I mean. Is Jimmy is kind of our best option. I mean, are we? I know Jay's in the you know lose for Hughes mentality. Jimmy Howard to me getting rid of is an automatic sign that you're clearly in full lose for Hughes mentality. It would be, but I guess the thing to remember with the NHL is even if you get that top pick in the lottery, it's only an eighteen point seven five percent chance that you will actually get the top pick in the draft. Yeah. Um, so you really you're just trying to get in the top three. Because it tanking any more than that is minimal returns to it. Uh, but Jimmy, Jimmy has been very, very good this year, and you need assets to continue the rebuild. And when this team's ready to be good again, is Jimmy going to still be good? Is he going to be three years older? And we're talking about that 37, 38 year old Jimmy Howard. Like we see how that's working for Calgary with Mike Smith, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not. Yeah. Um, this, this is a team that's getting caved right now in shots. It's 45% of the shots in a, in a given game are against the wings, right? And that is the third mm-hmm. worst mark in the league. And Jimmy Howard's the only reason they're they're sniffing 500 right now. 
because he's standing on his head. So could a team like Philly or St. Louis scoop him up, maybe get him to overpay because they're teams that should be in the playoffs otherwise? Yeah, and smart teams take advantage of opportunities like that. So go try and fleece somebody with Jimmy and ride his hot streak because who knows how much longer it's going to last and who knows how much longer it's going to be wasted. Okay, that's fair. Um, last question, because uh, we're, we're we're about done here. Uh, I, I feel the need to ask it because we, we've we covered two coaches that are have had minimal success in their times here. So, Jay, you can be first here. Uh, who is more on the hot seat right now, Matt Patricia or Blashill, or is there someone else in Michigan sports that's on a hotter seat than those two? Oh, dear God. Um, between Patricia and Blashill, I would say Patricia becomes because he comes with more experience. Um, I'm not trying to take away from Blashill winning the Calder Cup in the AHL, um, but Blashill to me is more of just like a steady piece that Iserman's going to be able to work with once he gets here, maybe give him a year to see if he can work better under Iserman. Uh, Patricia came with, 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 with a proven method. He works for one of the best employers in football. So I, I have to go Patricia because I feel like his leash is much shorter than Blashill's. Even though Blashill's a rookie, um, I mean, I can't say rookie. This is his third or fourth season in. Uh, Russ, what, what is he at? Three or four? Four. This is his fourth year. Four? I mean, the, the leashes are being pulled in on both of them. Um, but in the, in the state of Michigan right now, I, it has to be Patricia. That, that, that organization needs to start winning in the right direction, more so than the wings, because the wings are they're, they're transitioning out. So, Patricia. That's fair. Uh, Russ? I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go with Blaschel. I mean, this guy he has almost exactly a 50% win percentage in his, in his careers as a wings coach. He's 116, 117, and 41. And if we look across the NHL, there are three coaches who have been with their teams more than four years. Right? We just went over how Blashill's in his fourth year. Is, is a 500 record enough to put him in that elite echelon of, of three coaches that have survived year four? No, no, it's not. I, I'm tempted to not say his seat's hot because we're playing musical chairs and his seat's already been taken. And it's just a matter of time before he has to sit down. He's, uh, he's on his way out. If Stevie's coming in, please, Stevie, come home. <laughs> um, he'll bring in somebody else because it's, it's not working with Blaschel. And I mean, he's, he's been trying. He just seems to be an average NHL coach. And that's fine. He'll get another opportunity somewhere probably. Uh, maybe he jumps back into the minors and is, is real successful again somewhere. And, and we see him in five to ten years back in the NHL or something. But he, he's on his way out. And it's uh, – it's not even close. I mean, Patricia's is his first year. He's going to catch more vitriol because people care about the Lions more. Uh, but he, he'll have a longer lease just for the fact that it's his first year. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going with the un- unpopular opinion. Uh, I think the hot seat has to go to John Beeline. Only one by two last night. Oh, that guy. right there, That that's not acceptable. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm with Russ. Uh, my My reasoning here is for and this is just uh, you know an unpopular opinion. I think the way they're working it, as long as uh, Bob Quinn has a job here, I think Matt Patricia has a job here. Bob Quinn picked his guy. This was his chance to pick a guy. Caldwell was never the guy he wanted. He had to wait till he had the reason or the ability to say, "Yep, you're gone. We're gonna move on." So 
he he has his guy. He's doing it his way. And we said earlier, we, we see the moves. It's just it's probably going to be a slow play. This is going to be an uphill climb. Of next year, will probably be better. We'll you know we'll have more pieces in place. Everything will have everybody will have a better understanding of the system. So it's going to be the steady climb to next year. Will probably be you know more towards the top of the NFC North and in in conversation. Hopefully the year after that, playoff contention is is not something we have to worry about. So I genuinely think as long as Bob Quinn has a job, Matt Patricia probably has a job here if he wants to be here. On the other side, Stevie's coming. In, hopefully Stevie's coming in. Uh, I, I got to think if when he gets here, he's going to probably want to like clean house to some extent, get hit the people he wants there. And I just think we've seen what Blasio can do. Has he had the best talent throughout the years? No, he hasn't. But I just think, you know, Blasio to me never seemed like the guy. He just seemed like the guy that got stuck having to follow up Babcock. He, he, he was almost a scapegoat from the beginning. He had no chance of really getting, you know, success. Babcock kind of wore that team down and slowly picked it apart and then left. And Blashill, you know, had to pick up the pieces and it was a no-win situation for him. I, I just think he has to be on more of a hot seat than Patricia. But I agree with you, Russ. Patricia is going to catch way more flack because the Lions are a, you know, more paid attention to team in the city of Detroit right now. Ten years ago? No, it was probably the Wings because the Wings were winning left and right. They were at the top of the league. They're not there right now. Not that the Lions are either, but if you if you take away Red Wings' success, it's it's baseball or uh, football here in, in Michigan, and Tigers aren't playing right now. Yeah. Uh, so I think it has to be Blashill for that reason. Uh, and I really, it's sad to say, I don't know the guy. I don't really hold anything against the guy, but I got to think if Stevie comes in, this is Blashill's last year as a Detroit Red Wing head coach. So, I mean, we'll see what happens there, but that's just, you know, unpopular opinion, uh, my opinion. So, uh, that's going to do it for us here on Armchair Sports Talk. Uh, made a lot of mistakes today. That's all my fault. That's because uh, the other two guys are definitely much smarter than me. So, give thanks to them. Uh, Justin Marcus, we really appreciate you taking the time. Hey, as always, I love being here, man. Yeah, it's always a good time. Uh, Russ Ivanak, I, I say it every time. Uh, all those stats, all that information, you definitely make us smarter or sound smarter than we really are. Oh, it's a, it's a trick I'm happy to pull off, man. It's yeah. always a pleasure. Oh, good times. And uh, I'm your host. Uh, that's one small step for us, one giant leap back in Detroit sports broadcasting. What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul.